Welcome to the audio podcast for the main service of Northridge Church. Our hope is that this will be a tool that blesses and challenges you in your walk with Jesus. If you want to learn more about Northridge Church, you can visit us at nrchurch.ca or join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Until we meet, be blessed and enjoy the word for today. Church, what a beautiful thing that we can worship here this morning together. What this song is saying, just of surrender. When there's hurt, when there's pain, when there's joy, and it's just all I am, every fiber of my being is yours and yours alone. Can we just sit in that for a second? That we get to praise a God who's above it all. He reigns higher than we could imagine. He's with us here this morning. We believe in a God who has come and has come so intimately to be with us. His Holy Spirit is dwelling. He's in our hearts. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would feel God so closely as we go about this service today, as we hear from the word, as we get to worship furthermore together, as we take communion, my prayer is that that you would feel God in the heavens come down and so perfectly sitting beside you this morning. Can I get an amen? Amen. Would you just turn to someone this morning and, and welcome them here? We want to welcome you here this morning, church. If you're new this morning, we welcome you for the first time, and we'd love to connect with you, so I hope that you can find an opportunity um, to connect with us at the welcome desk later on in the service. Um, before we move on to the nuts and bolts of this, this time of hosting, I just I um, need to make you aware. Um, last week, we shared the news of the passing of Adam McNee. And um, you are among grieving people here this morning. Um, I need to share with you that there is a service set for Thursday, uh, November 16th at Burnett Fellowship. It will be at 2 p.m. And you are encouraged to wear a jersey um, as Adam was a big, big sportsman. I also, on that note, want to encourage you too that we do have people available for prayer post-service. You can find them um, kind of in the wings of our of our room here, and we don't want to let those moments pass um, without getting the prayer that you need. So I just encourage you to, to find that time after the service. Um, in this time of hosting, we like to share a little bit about um, a, a little chat of just something that you can uh, take with you during our service. Um, and for this morning, um, I want to talk about volunteering and serving in our church. This is something that we believe so intimately, um, and that really is the roots of our church, that if you belong to Northridge, you are a serving member here. 
that's something that was modeled for me as a young age through family, through role models, that being a part of the church, whether you are 10 years old or um, in your 80s, you are a part of serving here at Northridge Church. Um, but as many of you know, back in May, um, my husband and I welcomed our first child, which exciting. Um, however, you can't exactly strap a baby onto your chest and play bass. That just isn't, that doesn't really work. Apparently you can do tech and hold a baby though. Um, that seems to be a thing. So if that's uh, an area of service you're looking for, there it is. Um, but it really came with a natural pause of things. I went from serving often and weekly to taking a really dramatic break. I couldn't do all of the things and be all the places that I usually was because of our baby. Um, and I'm, I'm, that's a good thing. I knew that break was needed and that rest is important. Um, however, there was a sense of disconnect. When I stepped back and was no longer, no longer serving, I was just showing up on a Sunday morning, um, usually frantic, uh, trying to get out the door. This morning was an example of that. I'm need to call, I have to do my call to worship at 10 and he's not woken up from his nap yet. So there are those moments. Um, but there, there is a sense where you are no longer a part of things. You're not bumping into people on worship and talking to people who you might not normally talk to. I'm not in the preschool room welcoming different families who are dropping off their kids. That You're not bumping shoulders with people in the same way when you're just arriving on a Sunday morning and talking to the same people that maybe you've made a connection with or who you're deeply involved with. So I want to encourage you this morning, if that's not something that you've looked into yet or maybe you've called Northridge home for a while now and you're not actively serving, we have a lot of roles that we want to get you involved in. You can visit nrchurch.ca to get plugged in, or you can email info at nrchurch.ca and we can connect you with an area of service. Or if this is something that's ringing true to you throughout our service today, you're welcome to chat with me afterwards and I can direct you to the right people. Um, with that, we're going to take a time of tithes and offerings and we're going to pray for one of our um, organizations celebrate recovery this morning. So I'd like to invite the ushers up to take our tithes and offerings. Um, and if you're here for the first time, this is not something that is expected of you, or, um, but if you call Northridge your home, um, that's something that's part of one of our spiritual disciplines, one of our practices. So I'm going to pray for Celebrate Recovery this morning and pray for our offerings. Would you join me in that? Lord God, we just thank you for today, and we thank you for, um, for Celebrate Recovery and the organization that um, works with so many people and really makes a difference in the lives of many, God. Um, we just pray that you would pour out your continued blessing upon them, that you would give them the support that they need. And, and we also just pray for those attending too, that you would continue to give them an open heart for what you have for them as you want to transform their lives through this program, God. We also pray for our tithes and offerings, and we know that you want to um, bless us abundantly with that. And so we just pray um, over those that are collected this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, final announcement for you this morning. If you have missed any of our messages, um, Ruth 2, the series that we're going through now, is just posted on our Facebook page, and you can also find it on Spotify. If you're not sure how to find those, you can visit our website. But any time that you miss a message here in the service, we want to direct you um, so you can get caught up as we move into our sermon series on Ruth 3 this morning. Before the uh, students are dismissed, I'm going to invite David Beza up. Um, yeah. Thank you, Alex. 
Um, I don't get a lot of time this morning. I'm just doing a little bit of an in-between, but I've got stuff i got to say. Um, I hope this isn't sharing too much, but I got a text from, from Mark this week. He's like, you know what? Um, whatever we can do. Um, and it was, a, it was a beautiful text, and I had no idea what he could do. And then I heard um, the way he ministered to us in worship day, and that just that little short talk. Um, and I'm like, that's it. I didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what I needed. That was it. So thank you. And Alex is uh, not just a volunteer, but she's a member of our staff. And one of the shining examples of how spoiled we are as a church with our with our church staff. And uh, so much of what I actually want to say right now, I would just be stealing from Alex. So she's probably cut down my time a little bit. Um, I, and I'm, I'm thankful that she talked about service. Um, because today we're going to be releasing some servers uh, some servers, some leaders, and uh, they're, they're, we're, we're releasing them with joy, and we're excited about where they're going, but they're leaving a hole, and we've, g- we've got some holes that, that need filling, and so I just want to reiterate what Alex has already said, uh, is that if you um, are feeling that tap, 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 it's time, and I love the way you said it, Alex. There's, there's something you can't get when you just come in, show up, warm the seat, and go away, there's something about serving together, being shoulder to shoulder and, and serving together that, that will create a bond and creates a purpose um, that you can't kind of fake. <laughs> so uh, I, would, I would say even one step further, look, Jen, you're still in the room, right? Where are you? She might just be, she, I know she just received the offering, but so look for Jen McMillan. Look for Tawny Douglas. I think you know who she is. Uh, look for one of them. And those are two areas especially. If you're ready to greet people, just shake hands. Caleb did a great job at the door today, Caleb McMillan. Uh, I don't know if you got welcomed. There you go. Good job today, Caleb. Um, if, if you're ready to greet people, if you can pass a criminal records check and have a heart for kids, we would love to have you uh, serving with our kids. And that's what I want to say. Today, it is, uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to, in a moment, don't come up yet, um, to, uh, to talk about Gordon and Jean-Anne Demchuk. And uh, Gordon and Jean-Anne, for those of you who have not been following their lives, uh, have moved to Princeton, to beautiful Princeton. And so uh, it's a bit of a commute to come to Northridge every week, and so um, that's not going to be a thing. They're, they're stuck with us. We've got their grandkids held hostage, and so there's going to be a reason for them to return often. But I need to talk to you about the impact that we have felt, and, and the reason there's a joy in sending them, because we know what Princeton's getting, but there's a, a selfish kind of little feeling as well. Um, uh, Gordon and Jean-Anne have ministered here. How, how long has it been now that you guys have been... Okay, so it's, it's, it's been a while, but that's just a drop in the bucket. Um, I first, I think my first, my earliest memories of Gordon Jean Ann, I couldn't actually see them. I could just see their ridiculous puppets that I loved as like an eight-year-old. Uh, so I'm 52 now. You could do the math. This is how long I've walked with Gordon Jean Ann or walked under or behind them. And uh, they ministered to us at Crescent Beach Camp under the big tent. It was like this, literally a circus. Remember, the, Ryan, the, the floor was sawdust, and we sat. I feel like they were pews, but I, maybe not. I don't know. Um, and, and they had these, like I said, ridiculous, this one cuckoo bird was the star of the show, uh, that puppet. But then there was these singing chickens. All they said was bok, bok, bok. But I don't know. That, I, I don't know. But it, it ministered to us. And there was always a teaching that went. And so... 
their leadership in my life and in the lives of many people in this room, actually, put up your hand if you were a part of any of those Crescent Beach camps. There you go. <laughs> um, there's a wide wake of influence that has already gone before this moment. And, um, and then that led to a time where uh, Gord was on staff at, at the church that sent us and, and that we planted out of. And I'm sure you may have spoken on occasion. I don't remember any of your messages. But I remember seeing you setting up chairs. I remember seeing Gord go around and make sure the chairs were as they should be. And he ministered in a way that enabled other ministry. He, he did a lot of other things. He was a, a real behind-the-scenes guy as far as even just the finances and the, the business of the church. Um, but Gordon Jean-Anne have been spiritual giants uh, that I've, I've been able to watch and walk with and behind. And you've been a real blessing, obviously. Um, so we want to have both of you come up just for a moment. And uh, so, yeah, sorry, Gina, I didn't worry about this. We've got a couple of gifts. You can clap for them. That's a good idea. We're talking about the holes they're leaving behind. We find I've, I've had on my to-do list these lanyards for our prayer team uh, for quite a while. I finally got them done. You're taking two of them with you because um, you guys are, I, they've already committed to be praying for us. And uh, there you go. I love that she's wearing that with pride. Um, but uh, so they're going to continue to pray for us. They've been praying for us and with us uh, for many, many years. Uh, we've got another gift. It looks like a Christmas tree or a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. There's a story behind it. Um, just a little card here, too. Uh, this, is, this was pulled out of our yard. Um, and it's a little hemlock and actually a little volunteer cedar that's, that's decided to hang out with them as well. I don't know if it's going to live or die. That's really on you now. But um, uh, we're hopeful that you can find a place. Uh, be careful because it'll grow big, so I don't know if I put it in your yard, but near your yard where that will grow alongside and remind you of us in Princeton if the, if the snow doesn't kill it. Um, uh, at this time... I, I want to invite uh, Pastor Barry to come up as well. And there's a long history between the Demchucks and Pastor Barry. Um, he married you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and I'm going to give the mic to Barry for a minute, but then uh, hopefully you'll be able to invite others to come up and lay hands on them as well uh, as you pray. But if you don't mind, I'll give you the microphone. I'll let you do your thing. Well, it's, it is a privilege to uh, be here today with... Uh, this couple, um, and to see that their marriage lasted, that was a good one. <laughs> and so many other things we could say about the way they have served. Uh, the first time I knew Gord, he was serving right here at the ranch at Timberline. And the first time I knew Jean Ann, she was a little brat, that's right, <laughs> from Campbell River. So there's a lot of, lot of long history here. But it's a joy to pray for them. But whenever you reach your hands out towards someone, you make a commitment, right? You not only make a commitment to remember them and to pray for them, but you also make a commitment to receive the blessing that is on their lives into your life so that you can then be a blessing and pass that blessing on. So the lifting of hands, the raising of hands, the reaching out of hands is not just some kind of a thing we do, but there's a lot of meaning in this. 
So we're going to pray for them. And I'd like to ask others who want to join us to come up. I don't know if there's a limit on this, but uh, it, yeah, that's a good idea. Make some room. Yeah. Whoever thought that cuckoo would be the <laughs> would be the the star of it all. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. Like I say with Gord, he he started ministry at Timberline. Well, he didn't start there, but that's where I first knew him. And uh, he's been trying to get away from Maple Ridge for all of his life. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work this time either, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, let, let's pray for them. If you'd like to stand as well and reach your hands out or make some commitment to toward them and to the Lord. Father, you love your church. Oh, <laughs> hallelujah. You love your church. You love this church. And Lord, the evidence of your love is the good gifts that you give. Your word declares that all of the good gifts come from you. And that there's no shadows of turning, there's no trickery in it all, but that you really do love us and that you have given us physical birth and spiritual birth in order to fulfill your giftings over us. And so, Lord, I thank you for the gift of Gordon Jean Ann. Because, Lord, the greatest gifts that you have given to the church are the people, the gifted people of God, the good people of God. And Lord, we thank you for this gift, for these givers who become gifts, not just to this church, but to many churches, not just to the church, but to the community in so many ways. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are a good, gracious, loving father who loves to give good gifts to his children. And Lord, we're thankful that the giving in their lives is not finished yet. And we know that they will be a gift wherever they go. But Lord, in their going, uh, there, is, there is something about the fact that you want this giving that they've done here to be continued in the lives of others. So Lord, I would pray that there would be inspiration, uh, conviction, encouragement, on the lives of some in this gathering this morning to see that, yes, they can be a giver too and that there is a place to serve. It might be behind the scenes. It might be helping with administration. It might be straightening the chairs. It might be in some other way of serving. But, Lord, you love your church and you are a giving God. And, Lord... You want your people to be a giving people. And Gord and Jean Ann are such great examples of that. So God, we bless them, we encourage them. And Lord, we ask that uh, indeed they will uh, find their place. And Lord, fortunate is the community of Princeton to receive them. And Lord, we know there is much that they can influence there. But Lord, your, your yoke is easy, your burden is light. And so, Lord, in the serving, there is joy. 
Lord, in the giving, there is receiving. Lord, in the blessing, there is blessing. So, God, we declare that over their lives as they go. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I guess, yeah, the kids are dismissed to go to their classes. Thank you. Okay. We got lots we're going to try to do here this morning, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best at it. I, I, I want to say thank you. And if I get a little emotional, no, it's too bad. <laughs> uh, this has been a hard move. Uh, when I, my last day at the RCMP, um, when they gave me our, my cake and stuff, I've never cried so much and had so many people come and say, we, we miss you. You've made an influence. I was there this week because with the RCMP, change is really slow. So even though I'm officially not their chaplain in Kuguetlam, I still will be their chaplain until they get a replacement. And in the RCMP, you can probably count on a year. Um, and it's because they like to do things well. Um, but I was invited back this week for a award ceremony, and again, uh, so many arms, so many members threw their arms around just saying, thank you for what you do. So this has been a tough change, but I know it's the right change because I know he has a plan. If I've learned anything, and I've sat under Pastor Barry's ministry for a lot of years, and he's been my mentor, my, my spiritual father for my entire married life, but I've learned that I can trust God in what's going on. I can trust him. If you would have said to us two years ago that we were moving to Princeton, we would have laughed at you and thought, there's no way we're moving up there. As a matter of fact, when we realized there was going to be a change in our lives and we were looking at other communities, we looked at Princeton and went, we ain't moving there. It was the last place we wanted to go. But I have a feeling that the Lord had a sense of humor and kind of went, really? You don't want to go to Princeton? <laughs> well, guess what? There's a need in Princeton. And so there you are. I thought I'd take a moment and just let you know. I forget that there's a camera filming this, so I need to stay close to the center. Um, but there's, um, we, we've moved up. We, we actually moved everything up on June 29th. But we officially didn't get there until about six weeks ago. So that tells you how long we've been in transition. Um, there is a Foursquare Church there. The very first Sunday we arrived in that Foursquare Church, including Gene and I, there was eight people. And so, yeah, it was like, oh, my. And, uh, and yet then the pastor at the door, when she greeted us and we told her who we were, she went, we've been waiting for you. And, and, and we left that service she got up and preached, and the first thing as she started to preach, she looks down at me and she says, I am so nervous having you sitting there. Oh, I look out now and I say, I'm very nervous having you sitting there. I have a feeling of what, what she had to go through. But, you know, she preached her heart out. She preached as if there was 150 people in that building. And Gina and I got up afterwards, and I walked over to her, and I said, I'm sorry I made you nervous. 
but you did an amazing job. She threw her arms around me and just sobbed on my shoulders. She needed to hear that. See, God put us there for a specific thing and a specific time. My wife, as we were driving home, she says, Gord, I know why we're here now. We, may, we don't know how long we're going to be here, but I know why we're here now. Because this little ministry needs some help. But I need to tell you, it's part of you. And I'm digressing from my message, and I will get to it, but it's part of you. Because we're still part of this family. David and us talked that there needed to be a day that we did what we did here today. But the reality of it is, all of my ministry at the moment is still here. And the Port Coquitlam Fire Department went, no, no, we don't want to lose you. We've invested. No, we love you. We're paying your way. You're coming down. So I'll still be coming down on a regular basis to minister there. I said with the RCMP, it'll take a year or so to get that changed over. And so we've asked David if he would continue to be our senior pastor mentoring us. And he's agreed. And so our licensing will come through this church, and we will remain in, as part of this church that you're loaning out to another four-square church to help. And how long that will be, we don't know. That's up to the Lord. But the reality is we know we will be involved up there, but we will also, you'll see us here. So from time to time, if you let us in the door, we're going to come, and uh, we're going to join you. Of course, our grandkids and our daughter and son-in-law is a draw there as well. And they've graciously given us uh, their home to, to live there whenever we need to. And so we're doing that. In Princeton, I have not any ministry at this point in time. But my wife took one week, and she is now the chaplain of the seniors' home up there. One week. Yeah. And they love her. And she's doing services every week, and she's doing stuff. She's doing, she told for me the other day we're doing a Christmas Eve service, and we're doing st stuff with the seniors. She also went to the United Way and applied for a grant, because how do you get to know a new community? And got the grant. Two weeks ago, we did a community barbecue, fall barbecue, freezing cold outside. And we're out, I'm out there doing the menu, Steve, that you did here, you know, the fries and the hamburgers and the hot dogs. We're doing that menu. We were told, if you get 50 people, you've had an incredible success in this community. Well, we went shopping. We bought enough for 250 people. And we went, Lord, we need you to fill this place. The pastor of the Horizons Church, the Foursquare Church, she got money for a bunch of games, and we laid all these games out in Veterans Square so that they're games that you can play as a family, all the things you'd have at the beach. So here we are, all in our toques and our mittens and our jackets, having this fall barbecue, and we started cooking. And I looked up at one point, and there was not a space left in the entire square, which is about five times the size of this room, families playing games, people eating. We served well over 200 meals because people came back for seconds. Isn't that amazing? God has a plan. I still don't really know what it is, but I have to trust him. I have to trust him in this. And so he's doing things. And I had someone come to me. The, a lady comes over to me, and she's dressed like a cowboy or a cowgirl. Sorry. And, and she says, uh, what, what happened here? I said, well, it was a community barbecue. Da, da, da. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. I'm the local farrier in town. Well, you know, Barry, you mentioned Timberline Ranch. Her and I instantly had a conversation. I've been there, done that, 
broke horses, all that stuff. Next thing I know, she says, I want to know. When you're doing this stuff, please call me. Gave me her contact information. I want to know. I, a fireman was there, and I got a, a name from him and a phone number, who to contact. And I met, knew the, one of the assistant fire chiefs who works in the hardware store. So I went in, and I saw him, and I says, are you John? He says, who's asking? He says, because this is a very redneck town, by the way. In a good way, but they're very redneck. And I said to him, um, I'm Gord Demchuk. Oh, the chaplain, yes, we're expecting you. <laughs> this, this next Wednesday, I have a meeting with the fire chief and the assistant chief. We'll see what's going to happen. All in the name of Jesus. But it's you, because we are you. You are an extension, or we are an extension of you, and always will be. And so as we serve there and are faithful to serve there, we look forward to coming back and sharing with you what's, what you're doing in Princeton. Helping another Foursquare church that's working their way up. I'm happy to say that the last Sunday we were there, there was over 30 of us in the service. It was exciting. And the pastor there has got a new bounce in her step. And it's, it's, it's kind of cool. This morning we prayed, and before we, I started or before the church started, we were praying about this service. And one of the things we prayed for was that the Holy Spirit would just be in control here. I've done my homework, but it really is immaterial what I say. It's what the Holy Spirit says to you is what's important. Forgive me if I go a little off script, because as I, we worshiped as the Lord just started putting things in my head. And I'm going, where does that fit, Lord? Where does that fit, Lord? So if it changes a little bit from the notes, you can blame him. It's not my fault, <laughs> okay? But we're going to go into Ruth. We're going to go into the book of Ruth. And I want to do a review of the first two chapters. I know David has, has, has ministered to those to us, and, and I've listened we, we listen to David's uh, messages, and, and I've listened to it, but I need to give you a little bit of an overview from the perspective that God has given me in this, because it's very similar to what David has. As a matter of fact, some of my perspective is from what David shared us, but I want you to get the feeling of where I'm going today. In the review, I sort of started off by saying, and, and I think the slide sort of says it up there, living outside God's plan in the land of Moab. David, you very clearly explained to us at the beginning of chapter 1 how um, Naomi and her husband, they, they went to the land of Moab with their sons because there was struggling, there was, there was famine in, in the land of Israel. But the reality is nowhere in the Word of God does it say they called on God. They didn't ask, Lord, what should we do? He was supposed to be their, he is their provider. But it doesn't say that in the book. It says they decided to go. And then during that time, David, you brought up on the first week that this was a time where the, the, it was coming to the end of the time of the judges, but that the people, the children of Israel, were kind of doing things as they saw fit, not necessarily what God saw, saw wanted them to do. And we know that going, that would be outside God's plan because they weren't supposed to go to that land, let alone let their sons marry the daughters. The Word of God clearly said they weren't to do that, that they were to stay together. And so I've entitled it, I, my first thought was, they're living outside God's plan. 
Well, when you live outside God's plans, things start to happen. Things change in your life. And in this particular case, there was death. But there also was repentance. And I look at it that the story of Ruth, and it's very interesting because my wife said to me, oh, you can, it's so good to do the story with. And she started telling me all about it from a woman's perspective. And I'm going, no, 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 it's the prodigal. And she, it is? See, it's really the prodigal daughter. The story of the prodigal son and daughter, in a way. Because they were outside God's plan when they went to the land of Moab. But Ruth, we see in chapter 1, kind of gets, whoa, what am I doing? And got word that God, the children of Israel, had started to come back to him. And so he was blessing them. And things were a lot better at home than they were where they were. Just like the story that Jesus told of the prodigal son. And the amazing thing is, is Ruth... It doesn't use this word, but Ruth came to her senses. She repented in that, I need to go home. She humbled herself. Uh, sorry, not Ruth, Naomi said, I need to come home. I need to go home. And so Naomi took the first steps of saying, hey, I got to get back to where I was. And then also in that chapter, we see Ruth. We see the change in Ruth. And if you go to the next slide, which I have it at the beginning of chapter 2, because of these things, God starts to bless them because they are back on the plan. They're getting back on the plan. And in my mind, Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 is the key verses to the entire book of Ruth. And the reason I say that is because from this point on, things change. And I'm going to read it. It says this, But Ruth said, and Treat me not to leave you, he's talking to Naomi, or turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. We use that so often in weddings nowadays, don't we? You know, we've... we've I've heard that in so many marriage ceremonies. But the point is this. Your people should be my people, and here's the key, and your God, my God. Ruth is making a commitment. She's leaving everything behind. Family, everything she knows, everything she's been taught, she's leaving it behind, and she's saying to Naomi, I am now going to serve your God, the God of Israel. I'm going to serve Yahweh. That's who I want to serve. And that starts to bring them back on track to the plan that God has for them. Even though at that point in time, they can't tell what it is. Just like we would say, we're not really 100% sure. We just know God's got a plan. And so Naomi returns home. I also know that Naomi had that kind of a uh, of her repentant heart because of, because of what she says. She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Myra, for God is dealing with me. So, and that's, a, that's a humble heart. That's not a heart that's saying, well, I knew best. What does God think he's doing? No, she, she just was humbling. And so she did. And so in chapter 2, we see her returning home. We see Ruth's com uh, commitment to God, her loyalty to Naomi. We see that all in chapter 2. And we see God starting to work 
behind the scenes, letting them know that there's, he's got them. He's got them. And what does she do? They have to survive. Women at those times being alone would be very difficult. It was very important for the ladies to have a covering of, of a husband for order for them to survive in that culture. And so this would have been hard for them, but Naomi started to give Ruth some instructions. You've got to get out to the field. You've got to get some food. You've got to do, do some things for us. And you start to see how, okay, she was into the field. Excuse me, what field was it? Well, it happened to be a relative's field. Well, Boaz is not necessarily always there, but it happens to be that Boaz comes. Happened to be? Do you really think it was happened to be? I don't. Because you, as you read it, you see this. You see God's hand on it. You see God nudging. You see God moving. And although they've had tragedy in their life, there still is a plan for them. A wonderful plan. Gene and I, we cried as much as you did when we heard the news of our tragedy here. But God still has a plan for us. He hasn't abandoned us. He's not leaving us at all. In the church up there last Sunday, we spent time praying for you. Praying because God has a plan. And that we see it here. We see this picture of this, that he didn't, doesn't abandon us, doesn't leave us behind. But he had a plan, and he, he, it's one of safety. It's one of provision. It's one of setting up their future, which leads us to chapter 3. So in chapter 2, Ruth has met Boaz. She's been gleaning in the fields. And, yeah, some commentaries would say there was probably a little sparkle in their eye <laughs> when they saw each other. And they say that because of the fact that, you know, Boaz would uh, tell, uh, tell them, let, let her glean, get, get her, give her some extra. And at one point, she ends up eating at the servant's table beside him, and he's sharing food with her, and, and, and she has favor. I want you to understand, Boaz is not a young man. So it's not like there's these two people of met, and that's how Bill is really... Most would say that Boaz was probably about 80 years old at this time. And that Ruth is probably around 40 years old at this time. But she has favor in it. She has favor with him. And so now we pick up in chapter 3. And uh, we're going to read that. I'm going to with that screen come up on the screen. Yeah, it says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, and now so she's come back. She's fed, been fed. She's got to know Boaz. Comes back and said to her daughter, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you? In other words, shall I find a husband for you? Meddling mother-in-law here? Or what? You know, it's the first thing I thought when I read that. It's like, come on. But it's like, I'm going to find security for you that it may be well for you. Now, Boaz, whose young woman you were with, he, is he not our relative? That's not really a question. She's stating that he is, you know. He's a relative. In fact, he's winnowing barley tonight in the, on the threshing floor. How did you know that? Huh? Mother-in-laws know everything. Just so you know, guys. They know everything. So there he is. He's at the fleshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment. Go down to the fresh fleshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Okay, I, that makes sense to me. I get that. Clean up. You've been working all day. Let's go. But now, then, he's, then we get into the weird stuff. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies down, and you shall go 
uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And I would be going, you want me to what? You want me to? He's been working in the threshing floor. His feet are going to be dirty. His feet are going to be stinky. And you want me to lay my head down by his feet? That's what would be going through my mind. But that's not what Ruth does. I'm also thinking to Na about Naomi. I'm going, where do you get this stuff from? You know? But Ruth's attitude is, and in verse 5 says, and she said to her, all that you say, I will do. It doesn't say she questioned her. It doesn't, I mean, you've got to remember, all these customs and things she's learning are brand new, and they are probably, like they do are for me, seem pretty strange. I mean, that's not how I got my wife. It's quite different. But I loved Ruth's response. I will do it. I will do it. So she went down to the threshing floor and did all, according to all her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drinking, and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lied down. And I'm going, girl, you got more than I got, <laughs> if you can do that. Because I would not want to do that at all. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and he turned himself and there a woman was lying at his feet and he said, who are you? I'd be saying that too. So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing for you are a close relative. Now two things there. Wow. Do you realize that she just proposed to him? For all you ladies out there who are single and waiting for some guy, don't wait for him. Most of us guys don't know what we're doing. But that's exactly what she's doing here. She's saying to him, when she answers him, take me under your wing. It's saying, would you marry me? Would you take me in and look after me? What an incredible picture that we in our lives can be in times where we are surrounded by the muck and the guck and all the stuff that is horrible that we don't want to be in. And yet, if we ask the Lord to come and take us in, what is his answer? Wow. His arms are around us. Because Boaz responds the same way. He said, he said blessed, in, in verse 10, blessed are you of the Lord my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, and that you did not go after the young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you. I will do. I will do for you. Um, oh, my notes got mixed up. Sorry. I will do for you all that you requested, for. All the people in this town that you know that you are a virtuous woman. Wow. No hesitation on Boaz's part. He's impressed. Because she could have gone for the younger guys. But she didn't. She was faithful to what she was instructed to do. And I keep coming back to that because I think that is so important in this message.
She was faithful. She already had a reputation of being a virtuous woman, meaning that she had morals and standards. This wasn't just a woman who'll do whatever it is to survive. But people already knew that. But I also love Boaz's response. Because he responds and says that, but then he says this, but we need to do this correctly. We need to do this correctly. And doesn't the Lord God do that for us? This is a picture of our Heavenly Father in a way. Yeah, I'll care for you, but now you've got to come into the fold and we've got to do things correctly. We've got to do things according to his word. And he goes on and he says, he tells her in, the, in this verse, now it's true that I'm a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay the night and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good. Let him do it. But if he does not want the, to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. And so what he's talking about here is this thing of, of uh, uh, that, that, that their, their custom is, is when someone passes on, that other family relatives will take them in and they will marry them and take care of the land and give them protection. And it's all about continuing the heir. In other words, making sure that that uh, Naomi's husband will still have an heir, that the family will continue. And that was part of their custom, but the reality of it is something that they didn't have to because I'm going to give you a bit of a spoiler alert. Chapter 4, David's going to preach it next week. The other relative says no. Sorry, David. Took all your, out of your sermon. Spoiler alert. The other relative said no. But Boaz was willing to do it. And so we read on here that, so she laid there until morning. She arose before anyone could recognize another. Then he said, do not let it be known that the, uh, that the woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring your shawl. He obviously he filled it full of six ephods of barley. Then she went to the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, said, uh, is that you, my daughter? And uh, Ruth said, yes. Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, these six ephods of barley he gave me, for he said to me, don't go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he con has concluded the matter this day. Wow. So not only is Boaz looking after Ruth, but he's committed to look after Naomi in this. What an amazing picture. But again, here's Ruth receiving instruction from him, and what does she do? She does it. She doesn't even question it. She goes ahead and does what she's told to do. So if I can bring this together, I would say chapter 3 is about Ruth following instructions without question. When I think about that, I'm not sure I can do that. I want to. And when I think about my life, I'm not sure how I have done that. But that's what we're seeing here, and we're seeing that when she does it, God's blessing just becomes unbelievable. We also, and so we see in, in that atmosphere of saying yes, yes, Lord, and following 
the instructions of which she's given, we, saw God, we see God's blessing to the point of next week, David will have a celebration as he does chapter 4, which is amazing. And the question I have for myself is, am I really doing that today? Do I do that today? You see, for me, you know, I, in the old days I'd have a Bible here. This is my Bible. Do I really do everything it says in here? Or do I question it? And unfortunately, I know too many people that say they love the Lord with all their heart, but they don't do the instructions that are in here. They don't do it. I know we've been taught that when you get someone like me up here who's going to preach this message to you today, that you need to test it. You need to, another, but what we're saying is go home and study it yourself and make sure everything I said is correct. Make sure that it's correct, that we're not being taught heresy because there is false prophets and false teachers out here today. That's what that's referring to. It's not referring to don't do what God tells us to do. It's funny, when we were pastoring in mission, I remember one Sunday getting up there, and I was wondering how much they were paying attention to me. I mean, I was new. I didn't always do things right when I was there. I was a younger pastor at the time. And uh, one Sunday, I started preaching, and I started preaching total heresy. <laughs> I was so happy that it only took about one minute, and somebody in the congregation went, ah... <laughs> And I went, yes, you're right. I was just waiting to see if you were awake and paying attention. And then we taught them the right thing. But I was making a point on that one. But that's, what, that's how we, we study, we learn. But we need to do what it says. A very good friend of mine who says he loves God with all of his heart. And a conversation we had recently was not agreeing with what the word said. And his words to me was, we just, it's time we changed the Bible and made it appropriate for today. And I'm going, no, you're missing it. It's all about us trusting the words that we're given, the instructions we're giving, like Ruth, stepping out for it, and then God opens it all up. And it becomes relevant for today. And he teaches us the truth for today. And we see his loving arms, and we see like Ruth is being redeemed here. We are redeemed through the Lord because of that. That's the message that I see in the book of Ruth. It's all about teaching us to make sure that our relationship is strong and we come to the Lord and we get into his word and we believe and do what is written in his word. And you know what? If you understand something in there, you think you understand something, and you start to act on it, if it's correct, do you know what he's going to do? He's going to show you. He's not going to let you be led astray. Whether it's influence from others or influence from your own thoughts, he will direct your path, the Word tells us. And Gene and I have had some little teary eyes a bit, being up, going to Princeton and all that stuff, she'll tell you that she went up there kicking and screaming. And yet she was the first one to get involved in ministry up there because he is directing our paths. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back up as we're going to prepare to take communion. I've written a few thoughts here that kind of sums up this chapter. And it says, Obedience in everyday life pleases God. When we reflect his character through our 
interaction with others. We reflect his character through interaction with others. We bring glory to him. Ruth's sacrifice and hard work to provide for Naomi reflects God's love. Boaz's loyalty to his kinsman, Naomi's um, husband, in the midst of all this, reflects God's faithfulness. Naomi's plan to find Ruth a husband reflects unselfish love because really she could have been lonely and looking for a husband too. But instead, she wanted Ruth to have it. The book of Ruth shows us the blessings that obedience can bring. It shows us the loving, faithful nature of God. The book demonstrates that God's response to his people's cry shows what his, his response is. In other words, he practices what he preaches. That's what this book shows us. To speak, watching him practice what he preaches, watching him provide for Naomi and Ruth, two widows, very little perspectives for the future, thinking that their future was done. But we learn that he cares. And he has a plan. And he plans for all of you. I'm going to ask the ushers if you would come. Give out the cracker first and the, the, the grape juice right away. Please hold them both. And then we're going to, I'll, I'll speak into that. And then we'll wrap things up. Thank you. You know, I love the Holy Spirit and how he guides and directs us. You'd be amazed today how so much of what we're doing is not what we talked about, how we would do it, because God knows best. My wife and I were doing our devotions. The one wonderful thing about retirement that you get to look forward to is living in Princeton. We get up in the morning and we... Uh, we have breakfast, and then we sit down on the couch, and we have devotions together. And it has been so sweet. And we pray. And we hate it when we get behind, <laughs> especially when we're traveling. But we have devotions together. And in our devotion life right now, we are going through, in the, 
New Testament where Jesus is about to be crucified. And just our devotions was yesterday was about how he, he had the, what we call the Last Supper with the disciples. And we, I've heard, so often heard, well, that's the celebration of the Passover meal, but it really wasn't. It was preparation for the Passover. And, 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 and they have a week of celebration of the Passover, and it's actually eight days, not seven. Because on that first day, the day zero, as they would call it, before they start to count, is the day you eat all the leavened bread, you eat all the stuff in your house that you're not supposed to have, and the feast, you know, the, the festival of the unleavened bread, which is the Passover. And the word used for bread when Jesus takes communion is that word actually leavened bread, not unleavened bread. Because, and this just struck me, because then Jesus is taken and he's, he's questioned and he's beaten and he, he's, he's hung on the cross. But he tells his disciples, that event's going to happen and do what I'm going to do with you in remembrance of me. Because when that time happened that he was on the cross, he was the Passover lamb or is the Passover lamb. And it was him hanging on the cross. That was the ultimate Passover. That's the protection of his amazing broken body that we remember here because he did that act for you and me. And, of course, we read in Corinthians where we're taught to do this when we come together. But we're also taught to examine our own hearts, make sure our hearts are correct. And if they're not, then set this down for a moment and make it right with whoever you need to make it right with or however you need to make it right and then participate. We're also taught that this is for those who love the Lord with all their heart. And if you're here this morning and you're going, wow, and you haven't received the Lord, well, you can do it right now. Just like Ruth said, your God is going to be my God. You can do the exact same thing this very moment and then receive this because this is the Lord's table. So the Lord took the bread and he, or the cracker, whatever you want to call it. And he took it and he broke it and he blessed it and they ate it in remembrance of him. So Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you sent Jesus. And I confess, Lord, as a young man growing up, I could not understand this. But I'm thankful now that you're enlightening me, that this represents Jesus's body that was given for the sacrifice of my sins. Thank you, Lord God, for such a wonderful thing. And Lord, we want to be faithful and say, I will, we will do what you tell us to do from your word. And so with that, Lord, we eat this bread together. Amen. Let's eat together. By the way, Jen, keep the Ritz crackers coming. <laughs> he also took the cup and he took this and it's amazing how when you think of this red cup of red juice and he says but this cleanses us Jesus' blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness it makes us white as pure snow so Lord we are grateful for the sacrifice of Christ we are thankful for the shed blood. We read the Old Testament, how the priests had to splatter the blood. But we don't do need to do that now because you received this blood that's represented here once and for all. 
So, Lord God, we thank you for the blood of Christ and that because of that, we can enter into your kingdom, those who believe. And, Lord, we are grateful. Lord, I pray blessing on each one as we take together. Amen. Let's drink together. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask you to stand with us. The worship team is going to lead us in a song, and then I'll come back and just wrap up the last little bit. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. What a great way to end this service. I've got one little more slide up there that I want to just share with you. I have a seat for just a second. This is not mine, but this belongs to Chuck Swindle. And I, I don't always follow Chuck, but every once in a while he says something that I like. <laughs> and I thought I'd share it with you today. This is his... How, and basically, it's, it, he says, how do we apply all this? The book of Ruth comes along at a time of irresponsible living in Israel's history and appropriately called the people back to a greater responsibility and faithfulness before God, even in a difficult time. This call clearly applies to all of us today. All of us. We belong to a loving, faithful, and powerful God who has never failed to care and provide for his children. Like Ruth and Boaz, we are called to respond to that divine grace in faithful obedience in spite of the godless culture in which we live in. And the question he asked is, are you willing? My prayer is that you would be willing and that we will do that. And we will be part of his plan. It's interesting that you just sang a closing song and brought up the Irish because um, I want to bless you with an Irish blessing was my plan for today. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, I would clear the room if I did that. And, you know, I used this the other day with the RCMP, and when I was doing it, I thought, I'm going to do that on Sunday too because... It opens so many, oops, my phone just went goofy on me. It, it, well, I'll just say it. May the, road, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hands. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for our main service. If you want to learn more about Northridge Church, or if you just want to talk to someone about what you've heard on this podcast, please email us at info at nrchurch.ca. We'd love to get to know you better. Until then, be safe and be blessed.